0: Lucky big board. I'm your host, Matt Hicks, the FF Educator, here with the 2024 quarterback class preview episode. I am excited to get into this one. We have the opportunity for one, two, three, maybe even four guys from this class to end up first-round draft picks in the 2024 NFL Draft. And I think we've got an opportunity for a lot of these guys to make a significant impact on the fantasy football landscape as we see it unfold over the next few years. On top of that, What makes this episode exciting is that, yes, we do have a top tier of guys that we're going to talk about, and then we have a huge second tier of guys that there's going to be a lot of ups, there's going to be a lot of downs, a lot of volatility, a lot of chaos to just get into and watch over the course of the 2023 college football season. So I am excited to jump into it. A quick note before we do, you might notice throughout this episode, I'm feeling a little stuffy. Don't have maybe the same cadence that I would normally do a podcast episode with. I'm getting over a little bit of a nasty virus that has congested me over the last week, but there's so much going on at the Rookie Big Board and so much content that although I'm not quite at 100% here, had to get on the mic and had to get this episode out because we are quickly approaching the 2023 college football season, the 2023 NFL season, and you're going to want to be all. All in on the Rookie Big Board to get ready for the season. So there's a couple different ways you can do that. You can head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board. Get in on the action. You can get the rankings, the full summer scouting report as I'm about to break them down. And full access to the discord again over at patreon.com rookie big board. What's also new and exciting and I'm going to put the link in this episode description and in every episode description moving forward is we now have a free version Version of the Rookie Big Board Discord, so if you want to get in it, ask me questions about these episodes, ask questions just about general NFL, college football, fantasy football, rookies, anything you want, you can get in there now, you won't have that full access, but you can get in and try a little bit of the Rookie Big Board before you decide you want to go all in and hit that full on sicko level with hundreds of other folks. All right, folks, no need for unnecessary suspense, fake drama here. The 101 is pretty easy here. He's the top of the quarterback board. He's the top of the rookie big board, and that's going to be consensus across the industry. I'm not breaking any news here. We're talking about quarterback Caleb Williams, 6'1", 218, out of USC. Now, Caleb Williams famously came onto the scene when he dethroned Spencer Rattler, At Oklahoma, halfway through his true freshman season, he steps in, makes an immediate impact, becomes an instant star for the Sooners. When Lincoln Riley transfers himself from Oklahoma to USC, Caleb Williams goes from Oklahoma to USC with him. Caleb Williams then, in the 2022 season, wins the Heisman Trophy, and he does it in impressive fashion. Now, this top-tier quarterback is going to be in the same discussion You'll see, you'll hear, you'll notice as Trevor Lawrence, right? And Trevor Lawrence was in this discussion with Andrew Luck, some of these top prospects of all time. If you look at where Trevor Lawrence was in the rookie big board rating at this point before his draft, that's the same exact rookie big board rating as Caleb Williams is at this point right now. It's very high. It's in my franchise cornerstone tier. It's not a tier that very many prospects find themselves in. So why? What makes Caleb Williams so special? It's really, especially if we're thinking about it right, everything is through a fantasy football lens. It's that pure athleticism and natural passing ability so let's start with that natural passing ability it works through his mechanics all right and he's able to place the ball around the field with relative ease his throwing motion is fluid he keeps solid feet underneath him he's comfortable staying in the pocket and working through his second progression. He's comfortable under pressure. He shows the ability to be evasive within and outside of the pocket. He can sling the ball in the short and midfield, and he can push the ball 50 yards downfield with relative ease. Now, Williams will put the ball on target and leads his receivers well around the field. You'll notice that I emphasize leads his receivers. Now, when quarterbacks can do that, that shows a special level of anticipation that's going to translate well to the NFL. He is a fearless passer, All right, he's willing to throw a ball on a rope through tight coverage, and he has a ridiculous success rate with it, okay? It's Pat Mahomes-esque. Now, you're going to hear... Caleb Williams compared to Pat Mahomes a lot because he's athletic in a similar way where he's not a pure rusher, but he's very athletic and he can improvise. But for me, I'm going to mention Pat Mahomes' name just twice when talking about Caleb Williams, and I'm going to specifically focus in on this fearless passing ability and this ability to throw the ball into tight coverage with a unique success rate alright so he's a pure athlete he bursts through space when running he's got great field vision he can accelerate upfield when given space now he is willing to be physical and can be evasive on the run now, he's quick. Uh, he can be quick to run with the ball, but he makes a point to look for his passing options first. So he's going to go through his progressions. And what you'll notice, Caleb Williams, if you watch his game, he's going to look for that pass all the way up to the line of scrimmage. So he's not just going to tuck the ball and run. He's going to continue looking and continue to give his wide receivers time to get open. He is comfortable throwing the ball and run, and he does not see a significant drop-off in his accuracy when throwing off-platform. So there's a lot to like about Caleb Williams there's even more in the full summer scouting report if you want to head on over and see that uh, at patreon.com slash rookie big board but Caleb Williams he's in a tier of his own like I said it would take a lot it would take something really significant for him not to be the one-on-one in all superflex leagues next year now next up here talking about the quarterbacks is going to be Drake May and there are some folks who would consider Drake May to be in the same conversation as Caleb Williams and I think from an NFL draft lens I certainly get that. I think they both have a shot to be top five NFL draft selections. Uh, but from a fantasy football lens, Drake may is a tier down for me. He's in the weekly starter tier, which means he's still, I'm projecting him to come in and right away be a top 24 fantasy football quarterback. That's a great spot to be in. You know, you look at his rookie big board rating right now, it's going to be in a similar place to where CJ Stroud, Bryce young ended up really, you know, a good starting quarterback. That's going to contribute to your fantasy football roster. And for good reason, Drake may came in in 2022, his first year starting for the tar heels. And he, Put up a really productive season. It was very efficient, great touchdown interception ratio, and he's got that prototypical NFL build 6'5, 220. But he balances that prototypical build with a nice level of athleticism. And so for me, he is an exciting prospect. But I am going to point out here, there are some reservations. And I think compared to consensus, I'm a little bit lower on Drake May right now. But it's a good opportunity to talk through why we do summer scouting and talk about some of the things that I want you to watch for with Drake May during the 2023 college football season. All right, so let's start with the good here. May, for me, he's a really perfect balance of mobility and pocket presence. He's light on his feet and he can move inside the pocket. He slides the pocket very nicely when necessary he will work through his progressions well before he chooses to scramble but when he does run he's got enough quickness to beat linebackers to the edge and he has enough awareness to be able to snag those extra yards and then get out of the play not take those big hits now there are some examples of excellent excellent ball placement on drake may's tape when he is locked in he has the ability to shred a defense. Now, the word that comes to mind when I think of Drake May running the, the Tar Heels offense this past year is command. He commands the offense. He's a leader of the offense. And these things are hard to quantify, necessarily. They don't plug into a formula well, but it is something that front offices look at and something NFL coaches appreciate. And they're going to feel that command, not only when they're watching his tape, but I imagine, too, when he does the interviews and goes through the draft process. Now, he protects the ball. He rarely puts that ball into double coverage he rarely puts it into a jeopardized spot and he can throw well on the run drake may also does not see a significant drop off in his accuracy when he throws on the run now here's the thing here's why i mentioned i have some hesitations with drake may and it's not that he can't improve these things these things can all be improved but he really needs to settle down his mechanics and in particular he needs to settle down his platform all right, He, he throws off-platform too often when he does stick in the pocket. He got very comfortable throwing off his back foot in 2022. When he did release with two-feet touching grass, he often left that platform open. And that inconsistency in his throwing platform is likely what led to these hot and cold streaks. So if you go and you watch the full course of the 2022 season with Drake May, you're going to see him look absolutely in command of the offense, shredding defenses in a rhythm. It's rhythmic the way that whole shred of defense but at other times he looks really cold and I think it comes down to his mechanics and if, if that rhythm is snapped then it's it's hard to get them back into it so it'll be interesting to see Drake May new offensive coordinator at UNC this year it sounds like there's multiple people working with Drake May multiple different offensive coaches um, and they haven't really designated a single guy which could be good or could be bad for him so I'm really interested to see how that works out uh, but the intangibles are there. The NFL draft is high on him. Right now, I have him projected as a, as a mid-first-round pick, so pick 11 to 20 overall. But the general hyping consensus is that he's higher than that, is that he's a top-10 pick or even a top-5 NFL draft pick. So certainly a lot to like there about Drake May. Next up is going to be J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan. Not a lot of folks will put J.J. McCarthy as quarterback three right now, but I'm higher Than most folks on J.J. McCarthy, 6'3", 197, out of the University of Michigan. I think he's got a really exciting set of tools, former five-star guy, and I'm expecting him to take a big leap during the 2023 season. I think that his dual-threat skill set gives him a high fantasy football ceiling as well. So if you look at J.J. McCarthy, he has a balanced dual-threat set of tools. He has good mobility, he's light on his feet, and he can burst on design runs. He's comfortable sitting in the pocket, though, and he's comfortable working through his progressions when his offensive line is buying him time. Uh, when those progressions break down, he is primed to improvise and gain yards. And J.J. McCarthy is another guy who's comfortable throwing on the run. All right, He isn't asked to push the ball downfield too often, but you do see examples of him being able to push that ball 50 yards without putting too much air underneath it. He zips the ball in the short field. He zips the ball through the midfield. He'll lead his receivers well at all three levels of the field. Going back to this concept of being able to lead your receivers. I think he does that very well. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And he protects the ball. He'll rarely put it in a position where the defense can get it. Now McCarthy, another guy whose mechanics are inconsistent. He leaves his platform open too often. Uh, He'll leave his body throwing open even when he's in the pocket. He has a solid release, but it can be inconsistent at times. Drops that arm angle. But again you know when you if you're not familiar with JJ McCarthy he actually technically hasn't even been the starter for a full season at Michigan he was named the starter week 3 of the 2022 season and the way the Michigan offense works they got Blake Corum and they have Donovan Edwards so we talked about both of those guys very productive and high caliber NFL draft Projections for both those guys. We talked about him during the running backs preview episode. And so what Michigan was able to do behind a very good offensive line was run the ball first, run the ball second, and have JJ McCarthy throw the ball third last year. Uh, And so you do see some examples uh, where JJ McCarthy is underthrowing his guys in the deep field, where he he's a little inconsistent. But folks, all those tools are there. And when you're scouting quarterbacks, you need to understand the tools. You need to understand projection, and you have to be willing to you know stick your chest out a little bit make that projection and so for me i think jj mccarthy takes a big step i think he locks in those mechanics with another full season of development underneath him. With the good Michigan coaching staff ready to develop him, coach him up, and show him off a little bit more, give him a little bit more reign of that offense. I think he's going to take a big step forward, and I think we're going to see that athleticism week in and week out, paired with that ability to pass, and we're going to start to get really excited about JJ McCarthy. Now, QB four here, and it's the last guy in this kind of uh, consensus. I was going to say locked and loaded, but that's too ambitious. This kind of consensus, uh, you know, tier one B, right, with Caleb. Williams being in his own space, of course, but that's going to be Quinn Ewers. Now, Quinn Ewers is a difficult projection 6'3, 206. Quinn Ewers, also a former five star quarterback, so a lot of just raw talent in this class. Now, if you're not familiar with Quinn Ewers' path to being the starting quarterback at Texas, it's a little long, but essentially, standout quarterback uh, in the state of Texas in high school. They don't allow NIL deals. He goes he leaves his senior year early, skips his senior year of high school, goes to Ohio State, red shirts to be able to take an NIL deal doesn't play at Ohio State, ends up transferring back to Texas when Steve Sarkeesian comes on board. He starts for Texas in 2022. It's off to kind of a slow start. He gets to the Alabama game. He looks awesome for about a quarter and a half. Then he suffers an injury. He is misses a, a chunk of the season with injury. He comes back. He doesn't look as good post-injury. Right, But he's got a huge arm, he's got a big skill set, and so another guy that if he puts all the pieces together next year, we could now be talking about four quarterbacks legitimately going in the top 20 picks of the NFL draft next year. So let's break down his game a little bit more. Ewers, he's an effortless passer. He'll throw with a tight spiral through the midfield. And you know, 50, 55, 60 yards. I mean, he's going to get the ball downfield. He shows the ability at times to lead wideouts brilliantly along the sideline and brilliantly through the deep field. Now, emphasis at times he can put a really nice touch on the ball, and he he is a clean decision maker. Now, he's not throwing that ball in harm's way often, which is something that I think is a is a positive quality of the Steve Sarkeesian offense, and part of the reason that Sark is so. Um, you know, uh, excited about him, so supportive of him. That's the word I was looking for there. So now yours though, the another guy where we're looking at his mechanics of being inconsistent, and it causes a lot of problems for him. He throws off balance way too often, and quite frankly, he defaults to this even when he's not under pressure some of these other guys that I've been talking about with their mechanics dropping it's it it's uh, exacerbated under pressure ewers will will drop his mechanics you know without pressure even being on him which is a red flag now uh you're gonna look you're gonna look at his game. you're gonna see an inconsistent release. it often drops into an unnecessary sidearm. He'll feel pressure too easily. that is something that scares me with quarterback prospects. Uh, and he'll quickly bail from the pocket and uh, what I don't love either is that he tries too hard to keep a broken play alive. Uh, it'll lead to sacks, it'll lead to bad passes. Uh, Now, he is athletic enough to move the pocket and scramble when needed, but I don't think he offers that legitimate fantasy rushing upside of any of the three other quarterbacks that we've talked about here so far on today's episode, but still... Those tools, I, I feel like I'm almost underselling it here. Huge arm, all right. And so if he puts it all together and he does protect the ball, so if you put him in the pocket and you get those mechanics put together, you know he's a guy who at the NFL level can absolutely be a weekend starter and shred defenses, really spread him out, really push the ball deep, and all those things can be really good for fantasy football purposes. We just need ewers to put it all together. So that's kind of the top four guys, right? And you're gonna hear these guys oftentimes talked about in a similar conversation in a similar lens. So now what I want to do here is open this thing up a little bit and more quickly talk about another uh, kind of a wider array of guys. Alright, opening things up a little bit more now, there's going to be two guys in particular that I'm really excited to watch this season. First up is going to be Joe Milton, 6'5", 242, out of the University of Tennessee. Now, another guy with amazing traits, but hasn't been able to put it all together in his career. Now, if you're not familiar with Joe Milton's path, I'm going to kind of give you the, the quick and dirty of it. started at Michigan, transferred to Tennessee. When he was at Tennessee, he was originally named the starter in Josh Heupel's first year in 2021, plays about two games, I believe, two or three games. Hendon Hooker ends up taking over for a midseason. We know the rest with Hooker is history. Hooker and Milton maintain a really tight relationship. Milton stays, knowing that he's going to get the opportunity to lead the Josh Heupel offense for 2022, or for 2023, sorry. When Hooker ends up going down with injury, Milton gets two starts, Vanderbilt, and then the Orange Bowl against Clemson, which was a really Big bowl game for Tennessee. Joe Milton looked really strong in the Orange Bowl for Tennessee, which is leading to a lot of this positive momentum heading into the 2023 season. So now I, with Milton, I couldn't do much tape review. It was really Vanderbilt in the Orange Bowl, right? But Having been around the Tennessee program, I can kind of give a little bit more on Joe Millen. So he's got a huge arm. And when I say huge arm, I've talked about Williams having a big arm. I've talked about May having a big arm. I've talked about Ewers having a big arm. This is a different stratosphere. Okay, Joe Millen can huck the ball 60 yards with ease. I mean, there's like a million clips of him doing it on social media. And... (laughs) He does it too often sometimes in games as well, but we'll get into that. He rips tight spirals through the midfield. There's not a spot on the field that he can't get the ball to. He has light, calm feet that allow him to navigate the field well, and they serve as a strong platform for his passes. Milton is calm within the pocket. He's not phased under pressure and he is able to step up and through traffic to make passes. Milton will work through his progressions, and he does not put the ball in bad spots. He has impressive athleticism for his size, 6'5", 242. All right, folks, he can move inside the pocket, he can move outside the pocket. When he's running outside the pocket, he's fast enough to beat SEC linebackers and physical enough to take them on. Now, despite not being necessarily an apt pure runner, or I'm sorry, despite being an apt pure runner, Milton will stay in the pocket even under pressure. He's going to look to throw the ball consistently before he takes off, and that's something that I love for my mobile quarterbacks. But, and I can't emphasize this enough, folks, Joe Milton struggles with accuracy. He is consistently, consistently overthrowing his receivers through the mid and deep field. And folks, I'm talking about missing them 5, 10 yards, like overthrowing. He's got such a big arm that despite the fact that he's had six years in college, he has not been able to quite rein it in yet, okay? it's it's tough for him to target players uh, along the boundary he's got inconsistent touch along the boundary he needs to be able to rein in his arm and more importantly he needs to be able to adjust velocities and what's weird about Joe Millen is for a guy who's 6'5 242 there was more batted balls in the orange bowl than you would expect for that and so maybe that was just Clemson's defensive line they do have a really good front seven and they are kind of known for that but it was just A note that I found on tape, it was a weird combination for a guy who's 6'5". Usually doesn't have a problem with batted balls. So the pros, they very well may outweigh the cons. And Joe Midland has the opportunity to be a first-round selection. And quite frankly, I think he's going to be a day-two selection no matter what, unless things really implode because of the profile, because of the tools. So he's going to be somebody that you're going to want to keep a close eye on this season. The other guy that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this season is Bo Nix. Bo Nix, another guy with a bit of a story behind him. And maybe we're just at the point with college football where every quarterback's got a bit of a story on him. But Bo Nix, another former five-star guy he was an Auburn legacy his dad was a big deal at Auburn it was like an automatic thing nearly that he was gonna go to Auburn and it was a huge get for the Tigers when he went there he starts right away as a true freshman and impresses right away then he gets caught up in this coaching change between Gus Malzahn in uh, the new uh, coaching staff, who was so forgettable. I'm literally accidentally forgetting uh, their name right now. The guys who came in from Boise State, right? And, and he just gets lost in in this really mess of a coaching situation. So he ends up heading into the 2022 season. He's given Auburn his best shot, kind of fulfilled those legacy requirements. And he goes out to Eugene and everybody had kind of left Bo Nix for dead, except for Bo Nix. All right. He came out there and was a legitimate Heisman trophy candidate after last season. He's a playmaker. He takes command of the offense. He zips the ball around the field with good accuracy Alright, especially through the midfield and the short midfield, really good accuracy. He shows the ability to charge, change arm angles uh, with effective consistency with effective accuracy. Nix is not afraid to move the pocket and throw on the run, and he does not lose accuracy when moving off-platform. He sticks in the pocket well when he needs to, and he's going to display clean footwork and a smooth release. He's athletic enough to beat defenses with his legs. He's quick enough to gain yards when given space. And you can can even go and watch... Uh, him break a defender in open space for a touchdown. I believe that was the Washington game, if I'm remembering correctly. Just shakes this dude uh, right at the goal line. It was on a read option. It was great. Uh, so I think NFL front offices are going to buy into Bo Nicks. I think they're going to buy into his pedigree. I think they're going to buy into his leadership, and I think they're going to buy into his production. I don't think his two bad years at Auburn are going to outweigh two good years at Oregon, assuming that he puts this all together and has a similar performance this year that he did last year. You know, you'll hear Bo Nix kind of be a little bit of a laughed at joke because we've, he's been around the Devy scene so long. But for me, he's a locked in day two selection right now. Probably more of a late day two selection, but he's going to be somebody who should be going off the board in your rookie drafts. All right, next up here, I'm going to talk about another kind of a sub tier of guys that I'm not quite as excited about. Uh, but that have gotten film reviews from me of uh, summer scouting reports, which again, you can go check out patreon.com slash rookie big board. First up is going to be Sam Hart- uh, Hartman was at Wake Forest transfers to Notre Dame. Uh, Sam Hartman, he's methodical, almost rhythmic throwing motion. It brings consistency to his game. He's got a smooth, clean release. I think he throws from a stable and clean platform. He finishes well through his throws. He's comfortable within the pocket. He's comfortable extending the pocket. He's comfortable stepping up and through the pocket. Hartman remains poised in the pocket under pressure, and he's not a pure athlete, but he can scramble effectively. Now, You're going to see Hartman at Wake Forest. His accuracy ebbs and flows throughout his tape. There are some uh, examples of him overthrowing receivers, especially when under pressure. More often, though, you actually see him underthrowing receivers, especially in the deep field. And he'll put a lot of air under the ball uh, to the point where you really start to question his arm strength. But Hartman did uh, really succeed at Wake Forest in in leading an offense that didn't have a lot of uh, history of success. So if he transfers to Notre Dame, and is able to lead Notre Dame to a successful season as well he's going to have a lot of exposure he's going to have a lot of tape he's going to be one of these guys that's kind of known for being a gamer and is going to probably go do well in the interviews right do well through the draft process and probably be an early day three selection, like a la Jake Hayner. That's kind of the comp because he's 6'1", 208, so I'm cheating a little bit, but that's kind of the value comp where Sam Hartman, I think, is always going to be on the scene, but he doesn't have the upside of a guy like Joe Milton or Bo Nix that I talked about earlier. Next up out of Arkansas, KJ Jefferson, 6'3", 245. I like KJ Jefferson. I like him better as a college player. I want to like him more as an NFL draft projection, but I'm just not sure that it's going to be there. He's a dangerous runner. He runs with Fluidity and power. He displays good burst and vision once he decides to take off. He has good escapability under pressure and is elusive in space. I think KJ Jefferson has good contact balance and he's willing to be physical, taking on SEC front seven defenders. And he's a competitor, man. He's going to get every yard out of every run he can. He has solid accuracy in the short and midfield, uh, but he doesn't always get the ball right on target. You know, you could see his guys kind of got to work for it a little bit. He feels pressure too easily. He's quick to abandon the pocket, way too quick to abandon the pocket, and gives up on his progressions. Now, part of that definitely could be the Arkansas offensive line. It's not the best offensive line to be playing behind when you're playing against SEC West, so you kind of understand why he does that, but still – uh, it leads to him also having a pretty inconsistent platform when he does stay into the pocket. He's often throwing on the runner with his body open, and he's got a hitch at the top of his release that slows down his motion. I think the biggest uh, limiter for Jefferson is going to be his limited arm. He lacks velocity really at any level of the field. He puts a lot of touch on the ball, and he you could see it takes time, and he puts air under his ball, even some you know guy, like, consistently through the midfield, and so I think he's probably going to be relegated to a day three draft selection, but somebody who's definitely going to be a Part of the NFL draft conversation. Jordan Travis, 6'1, 212 out of Florida State. Travis is a dual threat quarterback. He often had to put the Seminoles offense on his back. Another guy who I think is going to kind of get this label as a gamer, which is a positive, you know, this gritty kind of leader of an offense. You know, Travis, there's examples of him playing through injury, really uplifting the team around him. And NFL, you know, it might sound like it's just narrative-based, but NFL coaches and front offices do care about these things, folks. And so I think that will be a positive for Jordan Travis. Uh, he's accurate in passing in the short and midfield. He can move the pocket well. He doesn't see a significant drop-off when throwing on the run in his accuracy. When he's asked to execute designed runs, he shows good vision and he shows burstiness. Now, he's not going to be asked to throw the ball too deep too often, but he does... You know, he could put the ball on a rope, you know, 35, 40 yards downfield. So not the biggest arm, but he's got enough. You know, he's got more arm than Sam Hartman or KJ Jefferson, who we just talked about. Now, Travis for me, like it's his wonky mechanics that really leave me skeptical of his ability to translate to the NFL. He has a sidearm release that slows down his throwing motion and really compromises his passing lanes. His platform is compromised as a result, he'll often throw off his back foot, and he adds this weird hop at the end of a lot of his releases, I don't even know what to compare it to, it's just quirky, and when you combine this quirkiness with a 6-1 frame, I think it's going to really compromise his ability to throw at the next level, uh, and these issues are really, really exacerbated when he's under pressure, alright, so, you know, the the mechanical issues for Jordan Travis are more of the red flags than uh, really anything else, now, That's everybody that I do have logged summer scouting reports on, but I want to make note of a couple other quarterbacks. One, Michael Penix Jr., will be in this conversation. I started his film review, did not get it finished in time for this episode, but I would consider for me going into the evaluation, Penix for me is going to fall somewhere between Hartman, Jefferson, Travis, who we've talked about, and then Nix and Milton. He'll find probably fall somewhere in between. Injuries are going to be a big deal for him, so I'm, I'm curious to see how his tape can offset those injury concerns that I'm going to have and NFL front offices are going to have. I have years of tape, that I will be adding games to for Jaden Daniels out of LSU for Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami for Spencer Rattler out of South Carolina and for Devin Leary out of Kentucky. So although I haven't talked about them in detail, those are four quarterbacks that will get summer scouting reports at the rookie big board and will very much be in this same conversation of this wide open big tier two uh, of quarterbacks, and then the other two guys that are going to be in this conversation for me, but that I don't have any tape on, and neither do you, are Kyle McCord, six-three-two-ten, out of Ohio State as well as carson beck 64215 out of georgia these are guys i'm just not going to be able to log summer scouting reports on but are very much a part of the rookie big board and are very much going to be in the conversation of these guys that could fight to be at the top of tier two there are other quarterbacks you know if you want to keep working through the list you can talk about names to watch cam ward 6222223 out of Washington State, Shador Sanders, 6'2", 215 out of Colorado. If we want to go down that road, Jackson Dart, 6'2", 215 out of Mississippi, appears to be holding on to the old miss job. Hudson Card, 6'2", 195 out of Purdue, I think is a legitimate NFL draft candidate. Have we, we have not, we have not, folks, forgotten about Phil Drakovich, 6'5", 226, and now at Pitt, Dylan Gabriel 62, 60, 200. There's a lot more quarterbacks on the Rookie Big Board, folks. That's what I'm trying to emphasize here. There really is a potential. And I don't say this, I don't say this for every position every year. There really is a potential for this quarterback group to be special, and no matter what, they're going to be exciting to watch. And no matter what, if you're listening to the Rookie Big Board, we're going to be talking about these guys each and every week as we, you know, talk about Debbie value ebbing and flowing as we track these rookies here throughout the college football season and as Always we're gonna compare them, you know, to that dynasty value and help you track that across, understand the trades that you're making, whether you're playing in a Debbie League or where you're playing in a dynasty league and are trading those 2024 first-round draft picks around. I'm gonna wanna make sure you're subscribed. I would really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it if you could check out the Rookie Big Board. And now you have a way to do that. Support the Rookie Big Board over at patreon.com slash rookie big board, or you have a way to do it for free. You can hit that link, that discord link in this episode description. And as always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Board.